0: So as we launch into a new year, uh, you know, we've all got expectations for what the year will bring. Maybe you've already uh, seen some of the the blessing and the benefit of the new year. Maybe you've come up against some obstacles or opposition or challenges that you have already in your life. I think we we all have challenges to overcome and things like that. But uh, I want to say to you this morning, friend, God is bigger than every obstacle and challenge that you might face in your life today. And if if you are heading into the new year and, and the biggest thing that you can see in front of you is some kind of an insurmountable obstacle that you can't get over. Uh, I want you to know this morning that God has got a word for you today, and I hope that you can hear this today. I want to share with you this morning about faith. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, I talked about keeping our eyes on Jesus because He is the comprehensive, all-encompassing answer of God to human need and human brokenness and human issues, but I believe God wants to impart something in faith into our hearts today. Uh, I'm going to talk about faith and how we can, you know, bolster our own faith. But in reality, what we need to do is receive receive faith from God. And, and I just believe today that there's a gift of faith that He has for your heart to to speak into your life today. A gift of faith for you that you can receive from Him today. So, um. You know, if you have, uh, you know, some obstacle in front of you today that seems like you can't get over it, maybe it's a, you know, a medical diagnosis that uh, people say or or medical science says is, you know, is incurable. Um, Maybe it's a broken relationship that you can't fix on your own. Maybe it's a financial lack in your life that just keeps on getting worse. And you know, you might say to me this morning, "Well, how can I focus on God when all I can see around me is the scale?" and the consequences of this problem that I have. You know, um, maybe other people are are trying to encourage me, but they don't have the problem. I have the problem. Uh, they're not the ones facing an uncertain future. They're not the ones who are, you know, making appointments to have another operation. They're not the ones facing another round of chemo or another bad report from the doctor. And very often we have these kind of things. You know, it's it's easy in a situation like that for fear to overwhelm you. In fact, it's, I, I want to say it's a pretty natural thing for us to have fear and concern and anxiety over the circumstances of life that we have uh, in, in a time like that. And, and you know, can even get angry at God sometimes and angry at life. You know, why is this happening to me? Why am I the one who has to put up with this? Why is it, why is it all happening to me? And the thing about it, of course, is that these issues that we're talking about are very real. No one is saying that they're imaginary. No one's saying that you should just, uh, you know, uh, get over it because it's mind over matter. No one is saying that. These things are very real. But friends, I want to say to you this morning, the power of God is far more real and greater than the size and the scope of these issues that you might be Facing today, and here's my first thought today. I've got some things I want to share with you about this. Number one is focus on the promises of God, not the problems that you see around you, because it's so easy just to set our mind on the the issues and the problems, and for that to fill the horizon of our life. So don't focus on the disease, don't focus on the symptoms, but focus on the promises of God. Now, um, I have got at home a modest coin collection it's actually very a very modest coin collection i must say but uh, i've got here this morning i don't know if you can see that can you see that that's a you see that peter i meant to stick it up on the screen on the photo actually but that is a one cent coin from australia australian one cent coin who else has got a coin collection here Oh, a few people. Okay, <laughs> I'm not the only person who's half crazy. But um, uh, discontinued in Australia in or over 30 years ago. Now, if you're a bit older here, you've used, you know what these are. If you're a bit younger, you probably have never ever seen one of these. But uh, it's a very small coin, and they stopped using them over 30 years ago. But if I get this, if I close one of my eyes, I'm going to put the microphone down for a moment so I can close one eye and bring this right up. Up to my other eye, it almost completely obscures my vision through this eye. And uh, here's the here's the point: very often we can look at something as small as it might be, and if we look at it long enough and we focus on it, it can close out. It can it can block out. All the rest of the things around about us that we actually can't see. And that's what happens to us if we're not careful. Um, What the devil wants to do is he wants us to be so intensely focused on the symptoms of our problem, the symptoms of the disease or the consequences of the issue we're facing or the problems we have all around us. If he can get us to focus so completely on that, and, and be fixated on that, on, on the fear that we have, what will happen is that we won't be able to see God's power and God's grace and God's solution that we have for us. Uh, as long as the devil can keep you focusing on your pain, your dread, your disappointment, he has the upper hand in your life. It's important we get a hold of it this morning. Friend, but there's some things the enemy does not want you to see, doesn't want you to know. Number one, he doesn't want you to know that he has been disarmed, the Bible says. The devil has been disarmed, if we can put that up on the screen, because the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2, it says, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, you've got to ask yourself this morning, am I going to believe what God says or am I going to believe the lies of the enemy? I love that word, Tegan, that you brought this morning about the lies that come into our mind all the time and how we, it's so easy to believe those things. And Every one of us in this room uh, you know, uh, is, fits what you just described before. You know, and these lies come into our mind all the time. Am I going to believe that or am I going to believe what God says? Because He says that the devil has been disarmed. That means his, his weapons, his power has been taken away from him. Things like sickness and disease. Now, I'm not saying every sickness and and disease is caused by the devil. I'm not saying that. But I've no doubt that he uses that as a weapon to attack people and to bring us down from our place of victory in God sometimes. Or at least he will if he can get away with it. He attempts to do that. The other thing that the devil doesn't want you to see is he doesn't want you to see the eternal things like God's angels stationed around us to protect us and keep us. And if, if we have our minds blinded by, you know, believing his lies and by allowing fear to overcome us, then we won't see the supernatural and the and the power of God and his angels around us. I love this story in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to just uh, read it in a moment. It's about an army that had been sent to capture Elisha, the prophet of God. And they came to where Elisha was and by at nighttime, and they, they surrounded the whole Uh, the town where he was. And so when they got up in the morning, Elisha's servant got up and he went outside and he said, oh no, he could see this great army of, you know, chariots and horses surrounding the city. So he went inside and said, Elisha, my master, what are we to do? What can we do? Now it reminds, it just, (laughs) it made me think, I don't know how many people here watch Channel 7, but it says, you know that ad, you've seen that ad for Wallet Wizard, you know, on Channel 7 where he says, how, where are we going to get the money? Have you seen it before? Where will we get the money? Reminds me, Elisha's servant. My master, what can we do? Because he didn't know that God actually had a solution. And I love this thought that that um, Elisha just prayed and, and said, Oh Lord, please open his eyes so that he can see. Elisha answered and said, Those who are with us are more than those who are with him. Elisha knew And he could see into the supernatural. And he realized that God had a mighty army of angels all around them. And he said, Elisha prayed and said, please open his eyes that he may see. And the servant's eyes were open. He saw the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That's why he said, there are more with us than there are with them. So friends, we've got to understand, even when when the situation looks bleak, when it looks like you don't know how you're going to get through, you don't know where, we, where you're going to find the money, you don't know how you're going to overcome when the symptoms look bad and the diagnosis is bad and, and the prognosis is bad, how am I going to get through this time? You, you need to lift your eyes up and let, let God speak into your heart and show you that He has a solution. He has an answer for you. Sometimes it can seem like there's an accumulation of negative circumstances around about us. However, more are those who are with you than those who are with those negative things. And if we can get a hold of that and we can take our eyes off the enemy and see how great God's power is. I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. And this is Paul's prayer. He's praying for the church at Ephesus that he was involved in planting this church. And years later, he's writing back to them. And he's saying to the Ephesian people, he's saying, Look, um, you know, I'm, I'm praying for you. And and I pray that you'll be able, your eyes will be opened to be able to understand how great God's power is for you. And he's saying, uh, for those who believe in him, this is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand. So he's saying, all the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you and I. The problem is, we just can't see it. That's why Paul is praying, he's saying, God is saying, I want these Ephesian people to just understand and know that there's a power that they have. They can't see it. I want their eyes to be open, that they'll be able to see it. It's so important for us to get a hold of that today. That word, to understand here, it's from a, a, a in the original language, it's, it's to know, it means to see things, seeing that becomes knowing. It's a seeing that becomes knowing. In other words, you can see something and then all of a sudden, that like the penny drops, and you really know it in your heart. You really know what this means. It's like it's uh, implicit in the phrase that we use, uh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. It means I get a hold of it. I take hold of this. That's what God wants us to understand, the greatness of His power toward us. Second thing that I think we need to do, apart from, you know, turn getting our eyes off the problem onto God's solution for us, is to, is to learn how to drive out fear with God's love because, friends, God loves you today. I was talking to someone uh, yesterday. I met a gentleman in, in the park just over here. I was just sharing with him for a while uh, about, about God, and, and uh, he started saying to me, well, yeah, I, I, can, I, I believe in I, I like Jesus. But I don't understand about God because he felt that God was a harsh taskmaster, or God, you know, God didn't love him. And I had to had to spend a lot, quite a lot of time to try and convince him that God loves you, God loves you. It's so important. Um, it's natural to experience, uh, as I said before, fear when a lot of things are going wrong in our life, and there are negative, you know, medical diagnoses or or uh, other circumstances around us. It's natural. Here's the problem. Uh, You can't overcome fear. You can't reason your way out of fear because fear is not a natural thing. Fear is not logical. The only way you can get rid of fear is to cast it out. Fear has to be gotten rid of. That's why the Bible says that God's love casts out fear. It doesn't say... God's love wins an argument against fear. It says, God's love casts it out. Now, I don't know whether you are used to this sort of thinking or the idea of casting things out, but this this says very clearly there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. It's talking about God's love, it's talking about getting a revelation about how much God loves me. And when I know how much God loves me, I don't need to be afraid of anything because God is for me. He's 100% for me in that. So um, you cast out fear by exposing yourself to the perfect love of God. You know, um, I think it's true. God's love leaves no room for fear. Here's the thing. The cross, which we were talking about before, is, is the absolute symbol and proof of God's enduring love for us. God loves you. How do I know that? Because of the cross. Because Jesus went to the cross. Let's read it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. It says, "God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we can have eternal life through him." This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's the cross. He's talking about the cross. And so when Jesus died on the cross, it was the ultimate and absolute, it was the focal point of God's love for us. That's the pointy end of God's love for us. That's the real deal. God showing his love for us. He gave his son as a sacrifice for you and I. So we need to always come back to the cross. We can never get away from the cross. Why do we have communion every Sunday? It's because we can never get away from the cross. We've always got to come back to realize, because we forget, don't we? We we, we, we don't put, give these things enough attention. And, and so that's why, uh, you know, God said, in the Bible it says that we should come back, keep coming back to the cross and keep remembering what He did for us. So we should never judge God's love for us based on our circumstances. So friend, if you're going through hard times or difficult situations, that's not, that's not an indication that God doesn't love you anymore. That's not it at all. God's love for you is, for you is faithful, His faithfulness, his enduring love, his unchanging love for you. Circumstances of life come to all of us at various times. We all go through trials. you know sometimes we contribute to the trials and we make things hard for ourselves. yeah, that's true. And sometimes there are things that just plain happen and, you know, and there's no real solution for it. But I want you to know that that's not an indication that God has stopped loving you. It doesn't mean that at all. So uh, God's unfailing love and faithfulness. So what we need to do here, friends, here's the thing. Uh, If I want to learn how to uh, cast out fear through the love of God, the first thing to do is stop something. The first thing to do is stop reading articles on the Internet about how bad the symptoms of your disease will become. Stop reading things on on the internet about how bad your problems are and start focusing on God's Word and God's promises and what He says because that's the key to it, I think. What's the first thing, the first key that I want to share is start to focus on God's promises and God's Word. I know I keep saying it about our promised land, our children's program, but teaching children the promises of God at a very young age is the most wonderful thing to do. But adults need that as well. We should, you should come out here, Belinda, and do a bit out here, because we need to get the promises of God. I know I'm talking about a few of them today, but we all need the promises of God in our life, and to have them become more than just little cute sayings, but actually to become a revelation in our spirit on the inside. So, uh, let's not focus on the negative. Let's start focusing on what God says and the promises of God in our life. So reading scriptures of His love and His healing promises, reading praise reports about God's unfailing love and faithfulness, uh, all of those things are great. Uh, the third thing, um, just keep, your, keep yourself in the love of God. Now, I love this scripture in, in the book of Jude. Jude verse 21 says this, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Now, I've known about that scripture um, most of my life. I grew up in church, you know, and, and we used to sing that, didn't we, Dale? We'd sing a song of that. Did you guys used to sing that? Some of you, you, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And It's a song, okay, so I knew the words of it. But and I, I guess as a kid, I always thought that it meant look after yourself, just, just just keep keep yourself you know look look up it means much more than just look after yourself what it means is position yourself in a place where you you can receive God's love that's what it's saying position yourself to receive God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal to eternal life I think that's really significant when we get a hold of that today keep yourself in in the center of God's love. Don't let yourself stray away from God's love. You know, we, well, why, do we, why are we always talking about God's love for us? Some people think that churches that emphasize this you know, churches, that have a more of a grace kind of a perspective. Oh, they're always talking about the love of God, but they never talk about how we need to repent of our sins. Well, we talk about repentance sometimes. We talk about sin occasionally. But I tell you, friends, if we keep talking about the love of God and if we can get into people's heart a revelation of the love of God, th- your life will change. I guarantee it. Your life will change. Right believing will always lead to right behaving ultimately. And that's the way I want to focus. That's the focus I want to have. So keep yourself in God's love means position yourself right in the center of God's love for you, and don't stray away from that. Here's the thing: we're going to talk about uh, King Jehoshaphat. How do how do I position myself in the center of God's love? Number one is worship. I believe that worship is a great key. It's one of the values that we have here at Livestream Church, and and um, I think taking time to worship the lord when when odds are when the odds are overwhelmingly against you and you know that's what this guy king jehoshaphat did in the bible he was um facing a, a huge enemy and they knew that in their own strength they'd never had a chance they were they were dead meat they were they were about to be wiped out by the size of the army that was coming against them and so uh he didn't know what to do and um he says this in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. He's praying, and he says, God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's a good take-home from today, folks. If, if you can take something home today, just take that verse of Scripture home. God, I don't know what to do in the middle of my situation, but my eyes are on you. What does that mean? It means worshipping God. It means focusing on Him, keeping our heart focused on Him. They began worshipping the Lord. And uh, in verse 21 of the same chapter, it says that uh, Jehoshaphat appointed people to sing to the Lord and praise Him for the splendor of His holiness, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for His love endures forever. In other words, he got they got people to keep themselves right in the middle of God's love to start declaring God's love and God's faithfulness for them. Say, God, you, don't, you never let us down. I mean, how could God let them down in the middle of that? You just imagine, you're God. Just imagine for a second, okay? You know, you're God, and you're hearing these people saying, Oh, God, your love endures forever. Your faithfulness endures. He's not going to let you down. And he didn't. What happened is that um, God brought a great miracle, and when they got to the place for the battle, they discovered that all their enemies had already wiped themselves out. And it was just that God did an incredible miracle for them when they focused on Him and uh, they set their heart upon Him. Um, Yeah. The second thing, here's the second thing that we need to do, I believe, and that is understand the power of communion. Now, I I know we have communion here on, on Sundays and that, but, you know, if you are facing a really insurmountable obstacle, whether it's a health challenge or some other challenge in your life, and you know in your heart that through the cross of Jesus, He has redeemed you uh, from those things and and to make you the head, not the tail, and that you shouldn't be bowed down by those circumstances. If you know that, it's a good thing to, to uh, at home, maybe every day, you know, some people do it more than once a day, just but every day, you know, just take communion and remember for yourself and acknowledge for yourself that Jesus on the cross broke the power of the enemy, disarmed him, and triumphed absolutely over him. And so the enemy has no real power in your life. You know what happens every time you take communion? You are acknowledging Jesus' sacrifice for you. And all the promises of God are yours because of the cross. I said it before, the cross is the focal point of God's redemptive plan for you, that God's plan to bring by you back for himself. Everything created for us, everything that God created for us humans, a lot of that was lost through the fall when Adam and Eve fell into sin, and they handed power to the devil. If you're a Bible student here, you'll know what it says when the devil was tempting Jesus. He said, uh, you know, all power is given to me. And, if, and he said to Jesus, if you just fall, fall down and worship me, you know, you can have it back. But um, the devil said, for that has been delivered to me. In other words, the devil knew that he had power over people before the cross. But on the cross, Jesus defeated the devil and won back for us the authority as humans that we should have, that God always intended for us. He brought it back for us. So here's the thing, God gave it to us originally. It was lost, and then the Father, our loving Father, brought it back or bought it back for us through the death of Jesus on the cross. He paid for it again. He paid for the authority that he wants us to have. I love this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. It says all the promises of God, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. And I was thinking about this verse uh, just yesterday, it just reminded me of, um, uh, you know, the idea of a checklist. You know you've got a checklist where you've got a you've got a list of things that you have to do. You know you're moving house or you've got a grocery a shopping list or whatever, yeah, and you and you tick off the box. And I, can, I can imagine the Holy Spirit sitting up in heaven, you know, after the, Jesus died on the cross, and He's saying, you know, yes, um, sins paid for, and the salvation of humanity paid for. Yes, tick the box. Healing. Healing of every sickness and every disease. Made available, yes, tick the box. You know, Deliverance from every enemy made possible through the cross, yep, tick the box. There's a whole list of boxes. You could name them, there's probably as many as you want. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding yes, that's the tick box, yes, yes, yes. So I just um, I just think that's so powerful for us today, that um, that God has done that for us. He He gave it to humanity once, authority in everything we need in life, and then He paid for us to get it back again the second time. That's really powerful. If we can take here's the thing, friends. If you don't know that, if you're not convinced of that truth, the enemy will run rings around you. Because he'll, he'll put something up in front of you that's a lie, but looks so real. The devil is a master at uh, disguising things. He disguises lies so they look like the truth. And he makes things, all the glitter and the glamour that you see of things in life, a lot of it is not grounded in truth and reality. You need to build your life on what God says that is the Word of God, that is truth and reality. I was reading a story during the week. Joseph Prince tells a story about a man who was healed from Alzheimer's disease. Now, if you know anything about Alzheimer's disease, it encompasses a whole lot of things like dementia and a whole lot of things. But what I didn't know is it's actually one of the leading causes of death uh, in our country and around the world. And and uh, it's incurable. Uh, there is no cure, although thousands of people are working, trying to find a cure for this. But um, this guy, um, years ago, was, was diagnosed with, Alzheimer's disease and the doctor after a number of brain scans and so on said to him you need to go home and put your affairs in order and make plans to retire permanently from your work Uh, this is this is this is it this is the end of the road for you and so uh, him and his wife uh, made a decision that they wouldn't accept that diagnosis um, that they would that they would go home and start well when I when I say that I mean not accept it out of hand that they would go home and they would start filling their lives with God's promises, with the Word of God and watching faith-filled messages, sermons and letting faith grow and build up in their heart and worshipping God. Then they then they decided that they would start taking communion regularly uh, as a way of declaring God's promises in their life. And as they started to do that, things began to change. The, the picture started to look brighter for them their future began to brighten now they could still see the symptoms but they knew that things that they turned a corner and things were going up about four and a half years later so this is not an instantaneous healing i'm talking about about four and a half years later they went back to the neurosurgeon got some more uh, mris and uh, this is what he said he said i'm looking here at a very healthy brain he said there is no alzheimer's disease and he said i'm completely i'm removing this completely from your medical record like it was never there the first time so what i'm saying here friends is this that God's word and God's promises are true and so often we give in to the enemy because we don't know how to hang on in faith we don't know how to fill ourselves with his promises and keep ourselves in the love of God so these things worshiping him taking communion uh, you know regularly these things can really help uh, help you in your life and so uh, this this couple acknowledged that the key change came when they started taking communion regularly. I'm going to ask our creative team if they would come back to the stage right now, but um, uh, I'd like to ask you this morning, you know, what's your insurmountable problem? What's your impossible situation that you're facing today? Maybe it's time to start worshiping God in the face of that problem or the face of that situation. Not, Not just you know worshiping god in spite of the problems but worshiping god right in the middle of it right in the face of it and saying you know i don't know what to do but my eyes are on you it's a very powerful phrase very i don't know what to do but my eyes are on you when the going is tough when you don't know what to do maybe it's time to start taking god's promises into your heart and, and applying them personally in your life. See, when you take communion, what you're doing is you're, you are saying, you're acknowledging the, the not only the, the, the fact of the cross and the fact of the death of Jesus, but the significance of it for yourself. It's got to become personal. It's got to become, God, this is what you're saying for me today, and applying that personally in your life as you take communion. And uh, the other thing that I just want to say this morning, um, can we just sing that last song, you know, Um, God you're a way maker those songs we sang this morning are so pertinent and significant for this today God you're a miracle worker God you make a way for me can we stand up we're going to sing that song through